0: out of the box radio with me your host christine Mm glasdale out of the box radio is a weekly podcast of audible ear candy dedicated to bringing a fresh perspective on this thing that we call life and each and every week we're going to be diving into the topics that matter most with lively conversations on issues such as health wellness and transformational healing all with the goal of creating a better world and becoming a happier human being I will be your tour guide for this epic adventure, and each and every week we're gonna be embarking on a journey with the ultimate goal being transformation to our highest potential. And now, let's get out of the box. Hello everyone and welcome back to Out of the Box with Christine. I am your host Christine Blasdale and I am so super excited about today's show. I have one of my favorite little peoples in here. (laughs) I have the amazing Natasha Duswalt and Natasha is the president and founder of Peak Models and Talent in Los Angeles and she's also a published author and inspirational speaker. She has been running Peak Models and Talent for something over 20 years. You wouldn't recognize it if you saw her because she looks like she's just 22 herself. So she started when she was two. Uh, Natasha is also uh, a a wonderful wife and mother to three boys. And um, she has a story. Actually, she's got a few stories that I just really wanted to share because she just knocks me out of the ballpark every time I... I see her, and I see her talk to to an audience. So I want to welcome to Out of the Box with Christine, Natasha Duswald.
1: Thank you, Christine. I love it. This is awesome. Thank you for having me. And yeah, happy to share my, my journey, and hopefully it helps someone else.
0: And what a journey it is. So, well, I mentioned at the beginning uh, that uh, you are the president and founder of Peak Models and Talent in Los Angeles. That has been around for quite some time. I've, I mean, I remember hearing about it uh, quite a while ago. Uh, that is amazing that you're running a, a talent agency out of Los Angeles. <laughs>
1: you must be very busy. <laughs> yes, it's uh it is a full-time overtime all the time thing and you know it's one of those things where I love it because I love seeing people live their dream. I love seeing the booking process. I love when somebody gets excited cuz they got their first like print job or whatever it is. Just to see that joy in someone else, because you know they're living what they set out to do, it's it's pretty, it's an honorable thing to be part of the process. So.
0: Well, Love and I, and and being as someone who grew, up, I grew up in Los Angeles in the day. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to say how old I. People know how old I am. I'm in my fifties. Okay. And I have to say that the modeling agency and the casting agencies, uh, in my experience, were pretty kind of kind of creepy, and and run by like some weird guy with like a plaid polyester suit and he had like an (laughs) ashtray you know what I mean in
1: a couch the casting couch or the GWC the guy with camera Oh. Oh. oh we talk about that all the time we're like who's this guy? Because somebody will, you know, email us and say, I want models, send them to this place. I'm like, mm, no, let's do some background checking on this.
0: Yeah. So it's, so it's wonderful to know. And, and if there's nobody that's more t- trustworthy and, and, and kind it would like make sure that everybody is safe and this is legit yeah. and, 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 uh, uh, and appropriate would be, would be you. So, if there are any, if there are any uh, uh, wonderful uh, models or talent that would be interested, I would gladly send them to you. Thank you. I, and trusting, because uh, again, it can be quite a, a strange business. Yeah,
1: it definitely has its you know little dark alleys you got to avoid. And as you grow and learn about the business, you start to see what to look out for. I mean, we've had some crazy things happen where people will literally set up a website, email us the website. And, say, and it looks great. It's beautiful. Like a couple of nice photos. They get stock photos. And they go, can you send uh, 25 girls over to this location? And I literally get that gut instinct. And I go, nope, we got to do some more background on this. Do some research on it. We have a bunch of tools we have in place where we can check on things. And... We, we find out it's
0: that little, it's some weird house in the oh, valley.
1: Oh, we've stopped a lot of things, and it's one of those things where I'm like, I think I'm supposed to do this just for this reason. <laughs> you know, maybe- it's really interesting. Like I've found that I've. I almost feel like I'm a gatekeeper sometimes. Like, no, we we can't do that. Well, no, you and you
0: have you you have to be because yeah. um, you just don't know. Yeah, and it like I said, it's been going on for yeah. for a long time. I do it with with actors, you know, actors, yeah. actresses, um, and of co- and of course with models. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So I'm so glad that you're out there. Yeah, being the gatekeeper. I'm here. That you are. <laughs> I'm here. Um, but I I I really wanted to that you're your your life is has is just an amazing inspirational journey and i wanted to have our listeners hear a little bit about um you know many of us have well we have bumps along the way we have childhoods that have moments of of um of trauma of sadness of depression but they're moments a lot of times yeah and um those things as we know can stay with us our entire lives yeah. even if we you know, if we're super successful in our careers and things like that, those those memories and those things that have happened to us can hold us back. But you have a, a, just a powerful story about your childhood. And I was wondering if you could share that with our listeners today.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Typical, you know, family in the West Valley, mom, dad, brother, sister, two girls, boy. And it was just a rough, rough life because you know, my dad, had some really severe addiction issues. And he was loving and wonderful when he was him. And then when he wasn't, watch out. Because it was, he just, it was like he was gone. It literally was like somebody else took over. It's like a
0: Jekyll and Hyde kind of yeah. thing.
1: And it was it was so terrifying as a little kid because you just didn't know what you were walking into. So early on, I always felt this pressure of like walking on eggshells. Like you'd walk in the room. And I always, I remember thinking, I need to check the temperature. I need to check the weather because I need to, to get the vibe on the room.
0: To be prepared.
1: To, yeah, to see which direction I was going to go. Is it safe to go in? Is it not? And when you learn that early on, it's an amazing life skill because to this day, I walk into situations and I can read a situation and I've avoided a lot of danger that way. I don't know what it is. It's like a sixth sense.
0: Like, um, well, that's why you're also a great like a producer and a creator because you have you need to have that control of everything. Yeah, to, to feel safe as well. Yeah,
1: and it's you know, and part of my issue is I don't want to put that paranoia on like my kids and stuff. But when I go into any public place, I look for exits. Other people don't. It's just like ingrained in me. Like, okay, how do I get out of here? What right. I always drive my own car. I've always done certain things have kind of developed in me where I need to have an exit strategy. And I think it comes from a childhood filled with danger, so forth, you know.
0: So what kind of, so, so would he, so if, if um, so one day, like if he was working, he'd be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then what was his addiction?
1: It was an alcohol addiction and, but it wasn't just like, I know functional people who, you know, have alcohol, but they're functional and they live productive lives. He would just derail. Completely. He was a raging alcoholic. Yes. And, oh, yes. Okay. And it was, you know, just things would be broken and tables would go flying and dishes would fly. And you're, you know, at seven years old, you're like, what's going on here? And I know a lot of kids deal with this. And I'll, as I've gotten older and talked to other people, most people are ashamed. They have shame about it because they feel like it's a reflection of them. Oh, And. Yeah. I think I carried that in my early years. And even when we were talking about books and talking about our stories and I was sharing with some other women and with my husband, Craig, I had a moment where I was like, I can't write this. I can't talk about this. And it really almost shut me down. I was like, I'm not doing any of this. We got to cancel this. And I told Craig, I'm like, I want to take my story out. I don't want it in the book. And he's like, what's going on? And I said, I feel like I'm dishonoring my dad. And. There, because I love my dad. He's my dad, of you know, course, right. and he's no longer with us. And I'm like, I feel like what I'm doing isn't okay, because he was a great person. Brilliant man is a, you know, nuclear engineer. He's a smart guy. And for me to, you know, only hang on those memories, I felt like, is am I dishonoring, dishonoring him? And is this a disservice to him? And as I realized and really thought about it and went deep into this, it I was like a weight was lifted. I'm like, no, he taught – there are people you have in your life that teach you how to live – and some people teach us how not to live. Exactly. And God bless them, because he taught me what not to do so that I could have a productive life.
0: And you, when you're talking about the book too, that you, you actually in and and your chapter is in this because yes. you you are the author of this, uh, Women Who Rock: Inspirational Stories of Success by by extraordinary women. Um, that is by Natasha Duswalt as well as some um, amazing other women that are
1: featured in this and also women who rock too. I know because there was just so much material. <laughs> and once we did women who rock one, people were coming to me going, I have a story. I've got to get it out there. And I feel like it's so healing for everybody involved, whoever's writing their truth. It just does something. Yes. It helps the person writing and it helps the person who's reading it because they can identify with somebody in that book on some level to go, oh my gosh, this happened to me. Oh wow, this happened to me. I mean, the stories in there are incredible. I was reading some of them. I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, what have we all been through? This is crazy. Well, and
0: that's why, that's why I knew when I saw you, it was at the Craig Duswaltz Rockstar Marketing Bootcamp. When I saw you again, I, I knew when I first saw you uh, and heard you speak, I wanted you to be uh, on the show because i i know that there are literally thousands of people mm-hmm. who have experienced the same thing maybe not the exact same thing that yeah. you have gone through or, or the thing that i've gone through as well right. but that have experienced that yeah and they need to hear yeah. that somebody else has because it's also very isolating as a child oh yeah who goes through with a raging alcoholic um or if you're physically abused sexually abused mm-hmm. mentally emotionally abused You feel very alone. Right. right. And you could be even in a a big family, but you feel
1: very much alone. Oh, yeah. Talk about that. I had, um, you know, neighborhood kids back in the day because, you know, we used to run around on the street. We used to go outside. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And we didn't have the internet. We had the outer net. So we would play and run and play hide and go seek and loved it. It was a that was my escape from my reality was going out and playing with my friends and. One day, the kids down the street, I'm like, hey, let's go play Head Go Seek. And they're like, yeah, we're not allowed to play with you anymore. I'm like, what? Like, I'm seven, maybe eight at best. And they're like, yeah, guys, our parents are afraid of your dad because everyone knew what was going on. You couldn't hide that. You know, you try and hide it, but everyone's probably saw hear it. it. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, but what does that have to do with me? Like, I didn't make huh. the connection. But I understood. Of course, I understood because I was living it. And I was like, oh, wow. So because of that situation in my house, now I can't play hide and go seek. This is completely unjust. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, fine. Let's go play kick the can. I'll, let's go climb trees. I just was like, okay, fine. I'll just find other kids to play with. And I started branching out and meeting other people just because You adjusted. I adjusted. And I also didn't tell anybody. What was going on? Mm-hmm. I, it became that shame. That was a defining moment for me because somebody said, oh, we don't want you because of that, which defined my future. I so was like, I won't say anything about mm-hmm.
0: it and you'll be my friend.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to keep this secret because as long as uh, everything looks good on the outside, then you'll like me. Right. So that's what little kids do. Of course. And they adjust to fit in. And and then when... um as I got a little older, my mother ended up passing away on my 10th birthday. And I remember school saying, well, you know, I've went back to school a whole bit. And at one point I was like, I don't really want to do this. Like, I'm 10, maybe 11 by now. And I just walked out. And I always see that now with kids who you see kids act out, they do stuff. And I always think, oh, my gosh, pull that kid back in. Don't let them drift off to the edges and, you know, derail, pull them in, invite them, include those kids, because those are the kids who are d- dealing with wreckage in their homes, in their personal lives. They need connection and connection. A lack of connection just leads to addiction. I'm completely convinced. Of oh,
0: cool. oh, yeah. And, and it, it impacts your relationships, your future relationships, your, your, uh, uh, relationships with your own children, yeah. and your relationships with your loved ones and partners and and spouses as well. When, if you can, um, you tell an interesting story about leading up to the time when you were about ten or eleven, uh, about how bad it was getting at the house, yeah. and and was it that you was it that your did your mom finally, did she leave him? She
1: had, yeah, she had remarried and we had a... Because he was abusive you, to her as well? Yeah, yeah, really. In front of the children? Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. So it was, you know, and as a young girl, I saw that and went, ooh, uh, I'm not doing that. I'm never, I'd rather be by myself if that's what's out there. You know what I mean? Like, right. And as a, a younger woman, I remember dating people who were not great. And a little like on the abusive side, mm-hmm. and I remember talking to someone. They're like, "Yeah, sometimes you repeat the patterns." That well, because that's all you knew. Yeah,
0: if that's all you knew, was yeah. that is that how it was from your earliest memories yes. of him? Yes. <gasps> oh
1: yes. Oh Natasha, wow. Yeah, but and definitely good memories too. No, but that's Very, that's, 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 what's, that's the that's
0: weird thing Right. because it's like this push pull. It's and it's yeah. very confusing. It's like it's like, hey, hey honey, hey little hey baby, come give me a hug and then the next you know, the next time there's a you know, a slap or, yeah. or, or, or And or, you're
1: like who, who wait, that's yeah. not the same person I saw earlier. It's very and confusing. That's confusing. For so kids. so so she did dis- so she did decide to leave. She did and got remarried and then And she took you the, she, the children? Um she yeah, we went to Europe to go visit her father. She hadn't seen him in something like 20 years, because she moved here from Europe at 18, went to high school in the U.S., and I guess last year of high school she got here. And I remember the running joke was my grandmother saying, oh, my gosh, she's chewing bubblegum and wearing blue jeans. What did we do? Because, you know, <laughs> so American, <laughs> so thing. funny. And um, she, you know, she got here, and once she got remarried, we had like a year of peace, and then she passed away in Germany. It's almost like she went home. You know what I mean? Right. She missed her dad. She wanted to see him, and she got there, and that was it. And I was in the room, and I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" And
0: like, you were with her.
1: Yeah, I was. We. It was a very small apartment he was living in, and they had a little extra room with. And I was in like a cot next to her, and she just had a heart attack in her sleep, and that was the end of that. And dealing with that was. I didn't speak for a year because I was so shocked. And so, and it's a weird thing like to not really speak unless there was something I needed. Like if I needed water, I would say I need water or if I, but minimal, like you only would, basic uh, needs, no conversation at all. And this,
0: w- when your mother passed um, with you right next to her yeah. and it was just you and in and, and you're in another country mm-hmm. and you're 10, right? Yeah.
1: and. It's your birthday. Yeah. Was not the greatest birthday <laughs> gift. <laughs> that's that's why I always say, you know, the, I think she dropped me off here on planet Earth and I was you know, But I mean here the, for a reason.
0: The, the impact has the exclamation point at the end of yeah. the sentence, right? It's yeah. it's quite uh so so what happened? You're ten, you're in another uh, country, you're in Germany. Yep.
1: Oh, what happened then how we came back I was with my stepdad at the time and he was in as much shock as I was we got back to the. US uh, we land and he's kind of like I gotta go because he has a whole other business he has his own kids he goes back to his life and um a couple people are there I don't even remember who these people were I had no idea who they- but they're like oh we have really good news your your dad's coming back and I'm like what what do you mean he's coming back? Well, we know, you know, you're after your mom's gone, you, you know, we you don't have to go anywhere. Your dad will come and take care of you. And oh, all I'm no. thinking is oh, this is just not. This has gone from bad to worse. And he comes back and it's just escalated now because he's grieving and he's coping with whatever. He's so coping he's with. So he's
0: drinking more. Yeah.
1: And he is just, he's losing it. He ends up getting um, like a brain tumor at the same time. He is just completely having a rough time. And I'm looking at this going, I can't live here. There's there's no food in our house because he's just not a productive dad at this point. I forgot
0: about that. I forgot yeah. about that aspect. Um...
1: Yeah. So I'm just like, okay, it's time. And I have a grandmother in Michigan. And she's kind of talking to me and saying, you know, you got to tell the school. And I don't want to tell the school. Like no, no kid wants to run around and go, hey, um, you know, this is what's going on. We just little kids don't do that. That's why it's our job to reach into their lives exactly. and try and pull them in and talk to them and help them. So uh, I go and. I write a letter to the district attorney because my grandmother's like, well, there's one way out, but you have to write a letter. And, and like, you're like,
0: I'll write that damn, I, damn letter. <laughs> I'm like, who do I write to?
1: <laughs> and she she gives me the address. I get a stamp from one of my neighbor's parents and I send a letter. And you I,
0: sent a letter to the district to, attorney. Yeah. And I had And to, how old were you?
1: Probably 11, I guess. Maybe. Oh, my. I mean, I, it's blurry. but It's 11, yeah. 12 max, but I think I was still 11. And I ended up going to court and had to, my dad and I were this close as we're sitting and there's a judge and somebody else there, a mediator, I don't even know, because, you know, it was a long time ago. And they said, okay, we got your letter. And I think the look on my face showed them like, oh my gosh, why would you tell them I wrote a letter?
0: Right. Now, because
1: now if
0: it doesn't work out, he's going to be even more uh, upset, raging at me. (laughs) Right.
1: And they just looked at me and they said, oh, um, you know what? We'll, uh, we'll deal with this later. But, yeah, we just want to go over your lifestyle at home and so forth. And I was just, I was done. That was it. I didn't even go back with them. Whatever we, they pulled me aside, asked me some questions. Like, okay. They
0: pulled you aside away from him. Yeah. I was going to say that yeah. that would be.
1: Yeah, it was. It That's was a just... lot
0: of pressure on a kid.
1: It was. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh. Okay. And they said they arranged it with. Another friend, I think I don't remember. It was so blurry, but I ended up going into a foster situation. One of my mom's friends, one had taken me for a year, and then my grandmother came and took over. So I was okay when she got there. So but, you, you know, just so crazy. you uh, s- self emancipated? Yeah, at Which, that age of
0: eleven, about eleven or eleven or twelve yeah. tops.
1: But I I was put into a situation a, a home where I felt safe. I knew these people. It was it was foster situation, but it was still somebody I knew. Which because that
0: could also go. We've I've heard stories right, too. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. I don't recommend doing this. <laughs> no. Well, no. Really. Well, really I've, no. I've heard. I've yeah. heard
0: just horror stories. And if and if people are getting paid to have children yeah. that they foster, that's a whole other thing. But the the potential for abuse. Yeah. Um, yeah. all of that is just um horrific. But so at that point you were somewhat you were like um. Uh, guided uh, yes. by your angels <laughs> to yes. speak.
1: And then my grandmother moved uh, out to California and took over from there. And I stayed in school and lived with her and grew up. And it was that those were good years because she was so structured. She was like that old school Russian grandmother who was like, you're eating at this time. You're doing yeah. this at this time. You're. Taking piano lessons, you're going to ballet, and that's what I did. That was my life. And she loved you, adored me, and I loved her. And she's like my my, my person. Ga- yeah. Grandmas are the uh, oh, they're the best. I got a I yeah. got a real soft
0: spot from from my grandmother yeah. as well. She raised she really raised me as, yeah. as much as she as, as she was able to. I, I wanted to know, um, do you remember when you were sitting face to face with him in that was it a courtroom or a yeah, mediation it was, room?
1: I don't. It was like a it, there was a main person and two other people there, so I don't know. I'm a, I'm assuming it was more of like a mediation room,
0: maybe. But yeah. Do I you remember? Like a, I don't know his the the look on his face, and do you re, and Were you did you try not to look at him directly?
1: Yeah, I tried not to look. Okay. Because I felt him looking at me, and I was like, and you, oh, you know that oh look, you knew that gosh. look. Right. I just had that nice stomach just dropped. I was like, they did not just tell him I wrote a letter but I you know when you're when you're that afraid as a kid and it's that serious you gotta like talk to somebody or, but I wasn't willing to talk to school school pulled me in a couple times and said okay well, we're seeing some like why are you leaving school and I literally just said because I feel like it I don't want to be here and they said well and in no uncertain terms. They were like, well, we're going to have to call someone and you're going to be in trouble for this. And I'm like, who are you going to call? Because you really can't call anybody because he's not available. My mom's not alive. So what are you going to do? Right. And that was a, a defining moment for them. We're like, hmm, we've got a little crisis situation here. This kid is because I was defying all. I, I was really kind of mad at the adults around me. Yeah. Because I felt like they had all failed me. Everybody would come over and say, oh, we're so sorry if there's anything you need. And then they were all gone, and I'm stuck in this situation with a bunch of well-meaning adults who are claiming that I'll, I'll be there to help you out, and not one of them helped. One of the they assigned me a a caseworker while I was still in the house before leading up to the date where I wrote the letter. I don't know what I had a social worker or something who was kind of checking in on me and i remember calling her one weekend and saying um okay it's getting really bad and she said here's my number call me if you need me and i called her and she's like yeah it's saturday um i'm off so i'm really sorry call me next week and i was you know, oh my a big god crime. and that was that moment where i was like oh okay it's this is on me i got to take you care of it you can't depend upon it you're not yeah. able
0: to, you're not going to be able to depend upon anybody else except right. for your own wits and yeah. and uh And then thus the letter.
1: Yeah. And when you're, you know, all of a a decade old (laughs) and you have to, and you're faced with that. And it was a real big letdown at that time. I was like, wow. Like, she literally hung up on me. She was like, it's the weekend. I can't deal with this Oh, my God. Because it was a job for her, but this was my life. And so as a little kid, you're like, oh, okay. So you're really not there for me. And that just creates... Like well, like this. when there's when
0: when there's um, also when there's a raging uh, parent, a violent uh, yeah. parent at the house, they're not on a schedule, right? Like, okay, I'll be good. <laughs>
1: I'll be good Saturday and
0: Sunday. Yeah, but That's come just, Monday, I'm yeah. I'm re- I'm letting it rip. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: No, there's no like timing for that, and so
0: so 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 thankfully you had your your grandmother did come come into the the picture. Yes, and and you finished school. Yes,
1: finished and did a little bit of college and realized that it wasn't for me. I just, it was a choice between can I, I needed to live. I needed a job and I didn't have family to take care of me. So I had to work Mm -hmm. and I I took like a year, year and a half. I took some things and got some business classes in there. And then I was like, all right, I'm on my own. Got a job and realized every time I got a job, I wanted to run it i was like oh we need to change this and, and i and, love you i was like hmm wonder if I you're doing it kind it. of wrong yeah i was like i could help you and they would just look at me and be like um you're all of 18 years old and so i started a little window covering business at 19 did that for a while i used to go knock on people's doors and say i can do your window coverings and they would hire me and i was always so surprised i'm like why do people hire me like you know, are you mean? talking window coverings? Are you like talking the blinds, the shades, oh, the yeah. shutters? Yeah, I sold all of that good stuff.
0: You know what I did when, I, cause I was a little entrepreneurial yeah. kid too, was, um I would walk down Ventura Boulevard, and you know the windows um, on the stores. Yeah, they, and they used to have like jean stores. Yeah, it was a really
1: big thing yeah. to have jean stores because oh, of the yeah. Jordache. I Jordache um, <laughs>
0: I would go down and I would say, um, uh, "Give me a hundred dollars, and I will do your front windows."
1: Oh, very cool. Very and they creative. were
0: like and yeah, then were like, "Oh, I never thought." Of, oh, okay. I mean, now they have like professional people yeah. that do it, but, but yet, back you were in trend setting, back in the day. Yeah.
1: And I had a blast. That's really fun. Yeah. So
0: That's, when you said window dressing, I was like, "Oh, no, you did that too?" Okay.
1: Yeah. See, I was putting the thing to cover the window. Yeah. <laughs> you were actually being creative and putting the the beautiful like jeans and nice displays. So you did that when you were uh, 18, 18, 19? 18, 19 uh-huh. and I had I basically had that business for a couple years and realized yeah, this isn't for me. It just wasn't my. <laughs> it was just, you know, you're, I was dealing with contractors and people hanging windows and window coverings, and sometimes they weren't available, and I'd have orders and I couldn't do it. it wasn't so. the
0: most creative. No, thing for you. And I right.
1: just was like, yeah, this was great, but it wasn't for me. And then I fell into modeling out of complete need for money again. I was like, hmm, what's next? I need to make some money. A friend of mine said, I think you can get a job downtown trying on clothing it's really easy they'll pay you you try on their dresses and you'll be in the showroom I was like, great let me and I had zero confidence when you grow up in an arena that I was in confidence isn't built in boom so I just I was like no they're not gonna hire me she's like just come down we'll see and just you know walk in meet everyone and they hired me on the spot I was like this is kind of cool I got my first paycheck I'm like this is awesome And I started doing that and I just kept going and going. And one day I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But I had no idea what I was doing. And then I found out that I would shoot like a catalog and I'd get paid um, $100. And the girl next to me was getting paid $1,000 because she had an agent. That ain't right. I, I know. I was like... I think I should do that. And I learned as much as I could, met everyone, and I collected every business card I could. And to this day, I still work with some of those clients, and it's been over 20 years because wow. I worked with them as a model, and then when I transitioned, I went to a seminar. That's where I got the courage to open the agency. I went to a seminar, and they were talking about what do you want to do? What do you want to transition into? And I remember thinking, oh, I'd really like to do this. But my doubts were, oh, no one's going to take me seriously. Because, you know, I was a model, I'm a female, they're just going to poo poo it. I had a lot of that, like, I'm not worthy to do this.
0: And that comes from that childhood. Yeah. You're not worthy.
1: You're not worthy to be a happy child. You're right. not worthy to have your own right. dreams. You're not worthy to have your own company. Right. And right. so I had to do a lot of, like work on that and i remember meeting they had this coach guy he was at the end and part of the deal was we did the seminar and by the end of it they had a thing to sign up to do a year-long program to kind of work through your stuff and get to your next level of goals and i was like okay and craig was with me. craig's the one who signed us up for this and i said at the end he's like whatever you do just don't sign up for anything until you talk to me i'm like okay And they separate us, put us in two separate rooms with these coaches. Bad (laughs) idea. And and the coach is like, well, what are the three things you want to do most in the next year? And my number one was go to this program for the year. That was on the top of my (laughs) list. So how am I not going to tell the guy? And number two is, I don't know what it was. Oh, and it was like open a business. And he pulled out my strengths. And no one had ever done that before. He said, well, what do you do now? I said, well, I try on clothing for modeling business I work in you know with the manufacturers in downtown and he goes are you on time yes are you ever you know is there any reason you shouldn't make more money at what you're doing and he taught me the value of what I was doing and that because I was able to show up on time and had experience and had some background in this that there was credibility in that and I had never seen it that way And he's like, well, you know, maybe you could just charge an extra $10 for your service. And he goes, and over the year, he mapped it out where it would pay for this program. And I was like, huh. Well, this sounds doable. Yeah. And it was just an interesting way to look at it because he made me see things in a different way. And of course, you know, Craig comes in. He's like, so how's it going? He's like, well, we've figured out how you can do this program. And Craig's looking at me like, what did you just do? And I'm like, no, we've got it all worked out. And long story short, we ended up going... Doing the whole year, and it completely changed the course of both of our lives. So.
0: and and when you're uh, re- uh, referring to Craig, that's Craig Doeswell, does who um, who's the CEO and founder of uh, Rockstar Marketing Bootcamp yes. and Rock Your Life, and now yes. and then you you both run the uh, nonprofit too, right? Yes. Band together. Band together
1: Foundation. Look which... at
0: all that's happened. It's crazy, I'm
1: and like, and knew? you're doing
0: this beautiful journey together. But I, what I love too is that you've always, too, you you like your independence oh yeah you you have your own i mean peak models is yours yeah that's my my baby that's (laughs) yours rock stock barrel that's yours so you have so so you have this trajectory you um you've got the motivation you've got the tools you've got a great guy with you too who's who's the most loving kind sweetest he is a good good person he's a good good guy yeah um so you have all of that and then you have uh you know as as you do you have three
1: wonderful boys right yeah three boys and they're taller than me I'm like what happened (laughs) I was always like taller than everyone no it's not that way anymore so So it's okay
0: so you're going through through life and um and things are wonderful yeah
1: until like well when they were little like right around one three and five and you know that's a busy busy time like you are just run down you're tired. You don't know if your hair's up or down because you're just getting through it, because you got toddlers. And I'm at pumpkin patches. I'm working. I'm doing this. I'm everywhere. And I just remember going, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And I would say it all the time. And then people would go, Oh, it's because you have little kids. I'm like, no, I just feel like unbelievably tired. I'm falling asleep reading to them at night. Like I would read these, you know, books to them. Seven o'clock, like little kids go to bed early. I'd go to bed sit with them in their bed and I'd be asleep before they were and I was like something is not right and I had this really weird feeling in my chest and it was going on for months and I went to a cardiologist I'm like something's wrong there's something in my chest I feel weird he's like no it's fine you're stressing I'm like I don't know it feels weird runs all the tests EKG everything under the sun they do it like no you're fine you're in good health have a great day Go relax. Go take some yoga. Everyone's telling me yeah, that you go do yoga. <laughs> it always goes back Don't to meditate. Yoga. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And then months go by. Six more months goes by. I'm like, it's getting worse. Now I've got this horrible dry cough. It won't go away. It's week after week. I can barely get a deep breath because it's so, it hurts to deep breathe. I'm like, gosh, I feel like there's something in there. I go back to another doctor. I go, I walk in. I burst into tears. I'm like, something's wrong. And he goes, no, you're stressing. I'm like, no, I'm serious. If this isn't figured out, I'm not going to be here in a year. And he goes, why would you say something like that? I'm like, because I know. We know our bodies. We know our bodies. And we do. (laughs) We know when something's wrong. And I always tell people, like, let my story be your reminder. Don't ignore those little hints. There's like a little pebble. So you get the pebble, then you get the rock, then you get the boulder. And I got the boulder of all boulders, which was... I had three little kids, one three and five years old, and I found out that I had cancer. And had I stopped it earlier, maybe I wouldn't have had such a rough road, but I went almost a year begging people to find it and no one could find it. And ironically, I went to like, you know, those like walk-in doctor clinics? Yeah. Just basic, like, oh, I've got, you know, a sneeze. Can I get cold medicine? And they hand you something. Walked in, and there was this one doctor, and she said, You know what? I don't like this. She goes, Let me run some more tests, blood tests. Um, she did a um, scan on me, and she goes, I just feel like there's more going on here, and nobody's paying attention. And she goes, I'm going to have you go to the hospital and do a scan. i ready to do the scan. I get there. Next day, I'm back at the pumpkin patch because it's October. You know, it's <laughs> full bore. It. Little right. kids need their pumpkin patch. One, so, three, and five. <laughs> you know, stroller, everything. And I get this call, and they're like, hey, you need to come to the hospital. We need to redo this test. I'm like, no, I can't. I'm doing I'm in a pumpkin patch. Yeah. You got it. We're doing face painting. (laughs) And um, it's like a Friday morning, and it's like a little preschool thing. And then Craig calls me. He's like, you really need to go do this. I'm like, come on. Seriously. And so I get there. I'm like, "Okay, I'll do this test. I do the test. And then they call me back. They're like, come back. Six o'clock at night, I'm like six o'clock on a Friday night. Who's going to the doctor at this time? They are rushing me through appointments and I'm sitting there in this one waiting room. I'm like, for a second, everyone's pretty much gone. And I hear the doctor talking. He goes, hey, I've got this mom here and it looks really, really bad. Can you just hey! get her in, in to, um do a, some type of procedure tonight? And I'm listening to You're
0: like, you are surely not talking
1: about well, me. Well, and I'm like feeling really bad for this girl. Who is this girl? <laughs> oh, Who is she? And shit. I feel so bad for her. She's got three kids just like me. I feel so. And it was one of those defining moments where I actually realized I had to, I'm feeling bad for myself. But when I realized it was me, I was like, oh, yeah. I wasn't feeling so bad for myself anymore because I don't do that. I don't do like the self-pity thing. I was like, right. oh, yeah, I'll be fine. And so I get there. They do all these needles in my neck. And then we find out that there's like this hot dog shaped like growth in my collarbone. I'd never seen it because I didn't spend any time in the mirror. I wasn't doing that. And literally, it looked like somebody wrapped a collar around my neck. I was all swollen. And she goes, did you ever notice this? I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is that? It's huge. And it's puffy and. She's like, "Um, yeah, we got to like get in there and look at that and biopsy it. Long story short, we are doing all sorts of fun stuff. We're doing surgery on doing like stuff on Friday, then Monday morning surgery, Tuesday morning, some other surgery, Wednesday start chemo because surprise, you have cancer.
0: (laughs) Wow. So in just uh, just in just a few days, you're you're on chemo.
1: Yeah, I found out Friday night, and they weren't even going to tell me. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, so we'll let you know Monday. Just call this doctor. I was like, oh, guys, I can't do that. You've got to tell me. No, no, don't let me wait over the weekend. Yeah, I was like, I can handle it. And clearly I couldn't because I just burst into tears. I was like, I didn't have it before I came in here. (laughs) (laughs) You gave it to me. (laughs) Well, I was like, I think it's a great form of denial because I just didn't believe it. Yeah. And all through the treatment, I kind of didn't believe it. And I kind of stuck to that. I was like, yeah, that's that's a diagnosis. And I get it. And I'll do what I have to do. But this is not sticking with me. It's temporary. And I really kept that mindset the whole time. Because I think more people completely break down when they get a cancer diagnosis. And they let that take over. The thought of it. The they identify with it. that. Yeah, the fear of it. The thought of it. Cancer is a word. It's not a sentence.
0: Well, and and we all have cancer. We all have cancer cells in our bodies. Yeah, It's certain things will bring it out, yeah. stress, uh, toxins, yeah. environment, the way we, what we eat and drink and, yeah. and um, our th- a lot of our mindset as well yeah, can you, induce it.
1: You know, it's really interesting. And I feel like this time that we're in, in life right now, it's so interesting to me that it's not talked about it well in arenas that you and I visit. We hear a lot about it, like your thoughts, you know, create your reality, or you know, what you focus on, you get more of. And have you ever noticed you're watching the news and you just get this crappy feeling because you're hearing the stuff of what's going on in the world and it gets you down. Next thing you know, you're just feeling blah. You don't have any energy. I don't. You don't want to work out. I don't watch <laughs> the news. I don't watch
0: tele. You know right? what is? It's really really weird. Is that? Um, uh, the only thing I'll watch on television is Saturday Night Live. Oh, good. See, you like to laugh. I, be, I like to laugh. Yeah. And anything else, I don't like the energy. Right.
1: Because it does. It affects you. And I mean, even with like some of the social media sometimes, yeah. it becomes the comparison game because you on a Saturday morning, like we all love to like maybe take a break, you know, have a coffee, flip on and look through stuff. And you're like... Oh, my gosh. So everyone's hiking. I should be out hiking. (laughs) Why do I have to be hiking if I don't want to be hiking? If I want to hike, great. But don't feel bad about it because everyone else is hiking. It's okay. You don't have to hike if everyone else is hiking. And I think what we do is we become this thing where we look at what everyone else is doing on their highlight reel and we go, oh, I'm not doing enough. When, well, we compare ourselves yeah. as
0: well. And I think yeah. what you what you were
1: what you're touching on too
0: about the whole idea about our thoughts and our beliefs and the impact that that has. It's no, yeah. it's scientifically proven. Yeah, the placebo effect is a perfect example, yeah. right? Yeah, where someone can um, someone with a lab coat, like a, a doctor with a medical certificate on the wall, yeah. stethoscope around his neck, can hand you a pill, and let's say you're someone who has high blood pressure, right? They can hand you a pill and they can say, this is the latest pill. This is the latest medicine from Scooby-Doo pharmaceuticals. Right. And it's literally that once you take this, the the amazing thing about this drug is that once you take it within an hour, your blood pressure will be lowered. Right. And you, believing the doctor, believing the stethoscope, believing the medical certificate, believing in pharmaceutical companies. Right. You will take that pill and lo and behold, in one hour, your blood pressure will be normalized or be lowered from high to low to, to normal. Right. And then the placebo effect is the fact is that that pill is nothing but a sugar pill.
1: Mm. Interesting. There's yeah. no medicine in it. Yeah. That's the power of our thoughts. Right. That's the
0: power of our belief system. Right. So if you're told you're gonna, you've got cancer, you're, you only have three to six months to live, what does that do to us? Right.
1: Right. So, imagine that like you take that on and suddenly you own it and you start and you
0: creating your body start
1: exactly in your cells and everything is like okay captain we've only got 3 to
0: 6 months so right. we're going to make sure that that happens and we might even kick off a little bit earlier because right. you know it's going to happen anyway right i do think that the future of medicine is going to be a combination but there's going to be much more um sound therapy right. light therapy healing as far as us telling ourselves right to heal right like ordering ourselves ordering our body right. not ordering <laughs> it sounds so no, so no but i get it you almost but... like
1: talking through the healing exactly absolutely i think it's
0: going to be a blend cuz don't get me wrong i believe that we need the, it's amazing what pe- what they can do um, in the in the world of medicine. As far as you know, you cut your you cut your hand off. You know you can you know basically right. like stitch it back up. Right. That you're not going to wish back. Right. You know you're right. not going to like right. do a mantra and, and it's going to magically come back. Right. No, there's a place. But there's for a blend. It. Yeah. Um. There's a blend to that, and it can and it can be so powerful. So, so so you're 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 diagnosed. You begin treatment. You're you've got three little kids. Mm-hmm. And a darling husband who's probably worried to death about you. Oh,
1: and it's so interesting because I was thinking about it just recently. I was like, (laughs) I don't know how I would cope if I were on the other end of that. Because when it's you going through it, you know what you're feeling and you know how you're processing all these things. But I can't imagine watching someone go through that and not knowing because he had to watch this and not know what the outcome was going to be because there's no guarantee you know, sometimes medicines work for some people. Sometimes it doesn't work. You just, you don't know. So to be on his end, I can't even imagine what he had to deal with. And plus having, knowing that he's got three little ones to raise in case things don't go well. But I was on a mission and I said it from day one. I was like, well, I'm here. I'm staying because I'm raising these guys. I'm, I'm here for the duration. And I kept that on the forefront of my mind. Every time I woke up in the morning, I would say to myself, Every day I'm getting stronger and stronger. My body is doing what it needs to do. And I would just, I would rest when I was tired. And boy, that stuff did knock me out. And there I would be down for five days straight. So, But what we did, we would make plans. So you know how when you're, anytime you don't feel great, nobody wants to make plans when they feel like crap. Because you're like, oh, I just want to be on the couch. Well, I knew that I would feel crappy for five days for sure. Guaranteed, down for the count. Don't even, you know. Good luck if I even open my eyes for tea, but I have on that fifth day I would come back to life and I would be like, okay, I can do this, and I'd have a week to wait to go through a decent days, and then I'd be back down for the next.
0: So you'd plan 15. those those yeah. things to do during that yeah. week,
1: and then what I did I started planning out, and I started planning out three months and six months, and planning out when I'm done with this, what am I gonna do?
0: Oh,
1: that was very yeah. important. Yeah. It is important. Because, because we're
0: so much, usually we're so caught in the cycle, in that downward spiral right. of, oh, my gosh, I'm sick, I'm dying. Right. Oh, my gosh, so this, this, this. And we're only in that moment. Right. And we don't right. see what's happening. or We don't vision what's going to happen in the future.
1: Yeah, I call it circling the drain. Because mm. it's literally like you just feel horrible. And I I mean, this happens like when you get the flu. You feel like crap. You're like, I'm never going to get better. Yeah. And you do. And it, it goes away. But I think we get so caught up in... That this is always going to be this way. And I see it like raising kids. You know, when stuff happens with kids, they are so new to life that they have a negative emotion and they're like, oh, it's always going to feel like this. (laughs) And so part of our job is to go, you know, this is temporary because tomorrow's a better day. And so what I always did, and I say this to everyone, plan your stuff for when you're done. Have a celebration. When you're done with your treatment, you're going to have a party. Uh, when you're done you know after that 6 months we would go to disneyland and they go are you celebrating anything i'm like yeah i'm still alive and it was <laughs> it made it fun it it brought the joy back to life and i think that's key i mean if you don't have joy you're just going to get caught in your spiral you gotta yeah. get out of the spiral and you
0: you had a just had an interesting way of of looking at of looking at it being um diagnosed and, um, and then going through the going through all the, the treatment. Was it? Did you have something too where um, you were supposed to go for, for a treatment and you were thinking about leaving? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah I have those moments. <laughs> That's my defiant side. So they decide, you know, I've got to do all these surgeries before chemo. And they're going to put this device in my body, which is going to sit right in my top of my chest. And it's going to feed a line up into the main artery so that the medicine goes straight in and it's a done deal and it makes it easier to deliver. It's called a port. And I get there and now the surgery's been delayed for an hour and I'm like, oh my gosh, another hour in my head with all of this? No. And I start panicking because... I don't want to do this as it is. Right. I've totally lost control of my entire life. Like this is not even my life anymore. Right. Like, somebody came in and R- took my life and gave me this one I didn't approve of, and I was like, "I'm I'm not doing this." And you know, my husband's looking at me. He's like, "You have to do this." And I'm <laughs> they're like, all ready for you. Yeah, and they're all like the room Prepped. is set. Oh yeah, I'm wearing the gown. Mm. I've got the little you know whatever that thing that bonnet on that yeah. makes you look just awful. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like. Nope, not doing this. And he's like, I don't understand what you mean you're not. And the whole team is there and they're looking at me like, and they're looking at each other like, is she serious? And they, and I go, no. And I go over, I start putting my tennis shoes on (laughs) and I take off that, that bonnet. And I'm like, guys, I just, I'm not participating and they're all. Just, I'm not participating. <laughs> I don't, don't want to play a game I anymore. I just didn't want any, and because of the thought, it it just had so much attached to it. It was like I have to do this, then I have to do this, then I have to go to a chemo chair, which I don't even know what that means, but it's it scary. sounds like an electric chair, right? And I'm just, I'm thinking I don't want to do this, so I'm not gonna, because this is what I did at ten when I said I'm not going to school, and you can't stop me. It, that defiance kicked back in, and then, get, my husband was the smartest guy ever. He's like, "Okay, it's your deal." Best thing he could have done, because if you push, then I'm really running. Right. And he's like, "Nope, it's her. It's her life. It's her deal. Don't don't stop her." And as he said it, I was like, "Oh, I, I'm I'm back in charge." It felt like I got myself back for a second, because when you're in a scary medical situation, and the people are wonderful. I mean. Those nurses and doctors, those are superheroes. They truly are. They are lifesavers and superheroes, and they're so compassionate. They're so kind, and they, they literally talk you through because they know what you're dealing with. And yeah. to see them look and kind of step back and go, okay, okay. And everyone's like, all right. And the best thing when he said that was let her go. It's let your her- decision. Yeah. And then in comes the doctor. Because somebody clearly tipped him off, like, you're going to lose your patient. And he walks in, and he goes, I know what you're going through. And I was like, "Mm, no, nobody does. No, No." you (laughs) don't. Yeah, because I'm really, like, really sad right now, and I don't like this, and I'm just going to pout, and I want to leave, and that's it. And he comes in, and he goes, I know how you feel. He goes, because I was told that if I went to sleep, my heart would stop, and I was i'm like what he goes yeah and i have two little boys at home and he goes and i couldn't get the surgery for four days because it happened over like a holiday weekend so he had to stay awake he had to stay awake for four days you're kidding me and he's telling me this story his personal life journey And i'm like oh, oh i have no problems okay give me that chair yeah and i was like all right so where do we go And he's like just come on in let's get this done wow and but he was so compassionate that he shared his reality he goes I didn't know what to do because I had to stay up for four days, and my heart was going all over the place. And so you like, could relate
0: to him as a parent. Yeah. That was divine intervention, it right was there. Amazing. And, and you know what was what it was was too is that you were triggered. Yeah, because yeah. you were in a situation just like when you were a child. Yeah, felt out of you, control. You didn't have control. Something was going to happen to your body, mm-hmm. and in in it was your mort- your mortality. Mm-hmm. Didn't know if you're going to make it through lots of stress, high stress, yeah. high anxiety. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, your father that you're walking into a scene on. This was something that you, again, felt like you didn't have control of. Right. So you turned it around. Yeah. And um and thank goodness for that for the doctor to who oh, who felt like to share that story with you.
1: Wow. Yeah, and that's why I always say the medical teams are like amazing people. They really, really are because they they share their stories. They and if they don't have a story they will find someone in their team and go oh so and so listen to what happened to her because they're human too they've all experienced things so and your story is in in is it in both books it's or I, a this version one's of a different the the more one's more business uh, i'd have to look cuz well the people is, should get them both Yeah.
0: it's um women who rock by natasha Deswalt. also women who rock too um, and oh, this book—you've got a few books. I do. Um, why didn't someone tell me this? Twenty-five life lessons for kids and grown-up kids by Natasha Duswalt. And this is—and this is very cool. Modeling secrets revealed by Natasha Duswalt, America's modeling coach. Everything you need to know to become a successful working model. I want people to. Um, to find out how how do they how do they find out more about you um, get access to all of your written works and uh, and just and just dig up all the beautiful wonderful juicy information about you where do people go
1: I um, well they can check out uh, www.peakmodels.com that's the agency. Um, I will be at the Rockstar Marketing Bootcamp in October, the third through the fifth, at the Sheraton Gateway LAX. Uh, they're welcome to join us there.
0: I will make I, sure I have a link to yeah. that event for people so they can um, come and see you there.
1: Yeah, I'd love to, you know, meet more people. Yeah, I'm always,
0: I'm a people person. <laughs> well, you're just so inspirational in and such a, a, a bright light. Is there anything we have just a couple minutes left? Is there anything that you'd like to uh, to leave the audience with, or
1: anything you want to tell us about what you're doing, what you, what's coming up? um what is coming up we have another book in the works coming uh, rock stars and oh that's right that's on the way and and, and
0: um in full uh, in f- what is it? disclosure disclosure yes I happen to I this is my first um this will be my first parlay into the published world I am going to be I'm going to be You're a published right. author Here's I'm one of on. the um, I'm one of the chapters yes you are I'm yes. so excited I I'm can't so wait. excited you have no idea and I have to say if 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 anyone was going to be the first, it's you.
1: <laughs> it's you and it's you and Craig. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. No, it's it's been a great journey. And if I could tell anybody anything, is listen to yourself, listen to your body, honor your instincts, and listen to that that still small voice inside that it knows it knows what you're supposed to do. And you know yourself better than anyone else. Don't poo poo those little like aches and pains or weird things you feel. Go check it out. It might save you. Ah. saved me. Natasha does well. Thank you so very much again. I just
0: love and adore you. And Craig as well. Please send him my love. I I love that guy. He's such a good guy. Um, I want to thank you. And I want to thank our wonderful listeners. I hope that you have enjoyed this program. And if you have and you want to share this, you know, this is a very powerful, um, um, discussion that we've been having. And if you want to share it, you can share it very easily. The YouTube video of this program is super easy to do. You don't need a lot of technology. You just hit the share button and you can share it on Facebook. Uh, I think Instagram. No, I don't know about Instagram, but you can share it in emails, you can share it um, in your instant messages. It's super easy to do, and we'll have links to everything on, uh, from N- Natasha. We'll also have a link to the next Rockstar Marketing Bootcamp. If you'd like to attend, um, you can meet uh, Craig as well. Craig and Natasha will be there, and um, it's just a phenomenal I've, – I've been to a few now, and it is an incredible experience. Um, but you can easily share that. And if you are not a subscriber and you want to subscribe to this podcast, you can do that through YouTube or iTunes iHeartRadio, Podbean, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. If you need information about that, you can go to outoftheboxwithchristine.com and there's all the links there on how you can subscribe to the show. Until next time, as we always say, remember to think outside of that damn box. Bye for now.